You're listening to the Road to Wisdom podcast, weaving stories told by wonderful minds about all things motherhood, health, intimacy, politics, nature, and everything in between. Join us on an adventure discovering unique experiences that we can learn from to enhance the ways in which we live. We are your hosts, Chloe and Kishia. Welcome, Montana. <laughs> Welcome to the Road to Wisdom podcast. Thank you for coming eventually. <laughs> so thankful for having me and dealing with the chaos that is mum life trying to do anything on time. I don't know. You guys look like you pull it off well, but like, I'm just mm. like, if I'm not half an hour late, I'm like, <laughs> I'm suspicious. <laughs> oh my Oh, no, it happens. It happens. We're having one of those days today. So, um, but we are here to talk mum business and um, skincare, which is going to be awesome. Um, we were actually, we had a little bit of free time before this. Do I, does my skin look like great? really like glowy? Oh, you got some bloom skin? <laughs> we just recorded a little funny reel and I feel like we went crazy and put so much on my face (laughs) and I'm really glowing yeah and internally I was getting really upset because she was using all my bloom (laughs) (laughs) I definitely should have brought party bags next time next time you can use some of mine I'll drop some off and like put some in your bottle we'll do a little exchange (laughs) maybe Mm, but um you are looking exceptionally glowy did you do the finger lime or the kakadu palm? I think both. I think both. Oh, <laughs> in excessive amounts. Yeah, when I need a little extra love, I'm like, I'm just going to go both. Why not? Just all of it on right <laughs> yeah. now. All of the things. So we're, we're nice and um, glowy now. Mm. Nice. <laughs> so you've been doing quite a bit of traveling recently for Bloom. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So... I guess the first travel we did was to the Kimberley to go and meet the amazing community who grows our kakadu plum. Well, it's really their kakadu plum slash it's called Gubbinge. And yeah, so it's their kakadu plum and we're really grateful to be able to pass on that wisdom and bring it to the world in a different and unique way. Um And that was just insane. I've never been to that part of Australia before and we were lucky enough to be invited there for a week and live amongst the community. And, you know, uh, before being there I understood logically that um, it's important to work with First Nations growers because they are the caretakers of the knowledge. It's passed throughout generations. They've been on this land for, you know, obviously a lot a lot longer than we have, but specifically in the places that Kakadu Plum has grown, these trees are hundreds and hundreds of years old, if not more, and they're wild harvested. So there isn't any sort of colonialised practice, capitalised practice. It's just like where it lands, where the seeds lands, it grows. And that is such a strong intention to be maintained over such a long period of time and so to be there and really learn from the community and see the impact that it's having on this community that is privately owned and sovereign it was just insane and obviously the environment was just so pristine we were taken places that 
few people are ever welcome to go there and then to receive the privilege of capturing that as part of our journey it's just like with bloom it it's still I still dream about it and yeah that's amazing to think that your skincare has absolutely no impact negatively on your on the environment that it comes from Mm. and it is coming from like from an ecological standpoint just right there it's not having to be moved or grown or planted or cleared crops to it that's amazing yeah Yeah. I mean wild harvesting has a lot of different ideas about that but um yeah I really believe in that intention of intuition and connecting with the spontaneity of nature and it's like being really responding to what's happening in the earth right now and not trying to control that in any way and having that integrity really passing on from seed to skin or even before the seed really it's like the community like community and culture seed to skin then community and culture again and it goes Mm. round and around and around yeah it's amazing and I guess like the spirituality of that area too Mm. like just having just eons of years of people living there growing there mm, that and, frequency infused oh. into the whole thing yeah and it's not all light you know there's also a lot of heartache and heartbreak and discovery and relearning that's been required to happen so it's also i like to think of it as that it's also healing together is woven into the medicine that's in the plants and that's not just the good stuff. Mm. That's the taking responsibility, having the difficult conversations, you know, being willing to be like, hey, actually I think you could charge more for this, for, for your harvest and like being open to reprogramming yourself and, and, coming together to create a truly sustainable future where everybody is on it along the way. Mm. Um, How did you cross paths with these people? Like how did you get on to them and how did you find this? Yeah, so the extraction method we use is called cellular extraction and it's amazing because it's a very innovative technology, not many people I will only like one person is able to use the technology um the company we work with native extracts and they have done such incredible work throughout Australia with really investing in primary industries and um a lot of work with bringing the indigenous along on the journey together and and making it an open conversation um, I think before that it was it was very separate. It was very much like, um, I mean, with lots of business, it's like we don't share mm-hmm. what's going on here. We're basically after the best deal for us and that's it. But through working with Native Extracts, I don't think that that's what they do. I mean, I've seen that's not what they do. So they did a lot of foundational work with connecting with Indigenous communities across Australia and then putting it into the uh, water-based format which is the serums that we use um, through a process that, you know, creates the most bioavailable solution of the plant at a high potency as well as like mimicking the compound structure of how it exists in its natural form 
So it's not just extracting the vitamin C. It's like extracting all the different parts of the fruit and putting it into a water-based format because when we think about it, our skin, like we were made to live in synergy with nature. We are divinely designed to interact with each other. That's why certain foods do certain things to us and different medicines. It's why, you know, DMT is found in us. It's found in plants. It's like we're obviously mm. connected. Um, and so I didn't want a single, you know, format. I, d- I don't like to play scientist with nature and say like, oh, I, these are only, these are the only bits I want from that. Mm, I don't that just reductionistic want... approach. Like yeah, we, with everything. I'm like, give yeah. me the full picture. Give yeah. me the true to nature profile of this plant at high potency, and I trust that there's stuff in that that I don't know. Mm. But it's like not science. It's not nature backed by science. It's science backed by nature. Mm, so, nature the great to scientists of all is like I'm going to chuck a bunch of these other things that your skin needs to be able to actually digest this and receive the medicine in your skin. And, um, yeah, cellular extraction made that possible. So how we connected with the community is through connecting with Mm. native extracts. That's amazing. And that like it goes to so many things that we talk about on the podcast because, yeah, it is that reductionist mindset that, totally screws us in Mm. in everything Mm. in you know ideologies in medicine in it's like what makes us think we can exactly it's (laughs) like what makes us think in motherhood we can like be the martyr and only have like the good perfect things but actually like motherhood is like the mud and the roots and the guts like (laughs) you know you can't just have the one bit i've Mm. tried crazy Oh, that's probably a good segue into mm. motherhood and business. Mm-hmm. How how are you managing? How give us some insights because we've just started this business and we're we need a little hand. <laughs> yeah, I think the hardest part is yeah. scheduling something and trying to have some sort of reliable schedule when. Mm if there is one thing that I know does not respond to consistency or like showing up the same every day, it's our children. Mm -hmm. So you can have like the perfect schedule, like this is going to work, but actually wake up on a Tuesday and, you know, one of the kids is sick. The other one just wants to stay home. The other one's, you know, Mm -hmm. having a mental health day. I don't know. Like school's cancelled today because there's hail or something, you know. It's like, oh, I have this like little being that I've got to weave around my Mm. life with and I'm doing it all for them and to show up for them and show up for myself and so how do these two things intertwine? Um, I birthed my baby and my business in the same year by no coincidence Mm -hmm. Um, before I had Blue, I, I mean, I was 22 and that's pretty much self-explainable, <laughs> <laughs> self-explanatory. I was like, yeah, <laughs> not prepped for a baby at all. Um, and I had experience in engineering and had been working as an engineer. I had just walked away from that and was leaning more into the casual nature of modeling and traveling and ambassadorship, which was incredible. I was like traveling around the world, working for different brands and really championing their fair trade efforts, um, which was such a special job. But when I was pregnant, I was like, okay, I don't really want to be in photos anymore. It was like this 
very sacred time for me. And I also didn't feel like traveling all the time. So I was like, okay, I got to come up with something else that's going to support us, our whole family to be at home. Bless me, taking that on myself to do. <laughs> um, You're <and> crazy. Yeah. <laughs> While I'm pregnant with a newborn. Yeah, because I just relate so much to pregnancy being such a creative space Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. really grounded me in my integrity and like how important every minute was and, yeah, it just grounded me in my purpose of being here as well. Mm. Um, You find that actually with a lot of mums, especially in this area, mm. like when they start to have babies, that's when they're the most creative and it's always – like thinking on how can I support myself to be at home with my kids mm. while we and and survive mm. like financially survive. So it is it's a big thing around here. And no hats off to you because I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna work while we're having babies. And then it got to it, and I'm like, Togger, <laughs> you're gonna work. I'm gonna have the babies. <laughs> you, had to, you had to have four children to really get there, though. Yeah. I feel like with your first, you were like, "I'm gonna do it," and then like two weeks postpartum, you're like, "Oh," and then it slowly tapered off, and then yeah. you kind of. But the the you work, got there. the work the I was work. doing was a lot on my feet. So, but also, it's um, not just like your ability. It's like sometimes when like what you just said when you're pregnant you feel so creative and you have all these like ideas come through and you're like oh I just really want to do that but then you're fighting with yourself of like is this the time no it's not the time it's no I'll do it it feels so right and it's actually not probably the time but it feels like it's the easiest time to do it in a way so it's a bit of a pull at the it's like the creation comes really easily but then the the work the undercurrent of everything that it actually takes yeah and like let's not forget a lot of us come into this journey being used to or thinking we can actually do it all on our own Mm. and maybe before kids we could pull that off no one would see what a crazy lunatic we are at like Mm. behind the (laughs) scenes but we could pull it off because it's like oh yeah I can run myself thin and haggard that's fine Mm -hmm. then you have a child and you're like oh I can't do Mm. that um and yeah and there is this like do I channel this creative energy into myself and my baby or do I outsource it into something that's going to like feed our family Mm. in different ways and for me at the time Blue's dad had um had just been hit by a boat so he was out of work so for me I was like there's no that's yeah, not an option. Mm, I've yeah. got to do it. I didn't have to have a baby, but like there wasn't much else to do. He <laughs> <laughs> go and walk for a few months. It was like, geez, like we've talked about everything. Like, <laughs> it's just, yeah, to be young and in love and um, totally reckless. And thank God because now I have Blue and Bloom. So over those years, I guess. A large reason of why I was able to show up for my work is because my business did make enough to keep Blue's dad at home with us. And, um, you know, we totally managed it very imperfectly and very on the go. Like we were just kind of expecting ourselves to be like conscious parents um, at home together, two people that work at home together, like that's its own thing. I'm sure everybody learned that through like the events of the last few years, which we will not speak the name (laughs) of. Um, And then like stepping up to be 
like for me, it was like in one year I went from being a maiden with no responsibilities to I had a baby. I'm like a CEO of a seven figure business. I'm like buying a house. I'm a in a serious domestic partnership. I'm like, who are you? I couldn't do all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I totally went crazy. <laughs> Oh my God, understandable. Yeah. But at a really young age too, which I mean, mm. we've spoken. Which is even more dysphoria. I'm like, yeah. all my friends were still in that mm. zone of like, what do you mean? Like, let's go to the beach. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> mm. Yeah. And, and we, we've spoken about it before in our episode with Holly, where we talk about how much we wish we had started having babies younger. Like, like all three of us were just like, if we had a known, but then that comes with its challenges too, especially in today's society and culture. Like when you are young until you're, you know, maturity wise until you're like well into your thirties. So yeah, I could imagine like, while well, physically having a baby at that time, I'm yeah. like, oh, I wish I had started then. But then with all the other responsibility that comes on with that is all the other oh, initiations. Yeah, yeah. I feel like having a baby younger physically Epic, like so good. Mm -hmm. Um, But mentally I can imagine, you know, I hope I get to have a baby. (laughs) Yeah, well, I hope that like, you know, I get to have a baby in my 30s and be like, oh, Mm. I'm a lot more like into this now. I was always into it, but like you just got to learn some stuff. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And like settling in, like I even remember like I was 26 when I was pregnant with Willow Mm. and I turned 27 just before having her and I was still still, like floating. Then we had Humphrey and I was still kind of like – not quite ready to like take on the mother role yet and then Rue was like well I'm gonna come along and actually force that shit down your throat so like yeah it was it took a while still it's so comforting to hear that because I feel like now I've made such amazing mum friends but like that's like a special term it's not just like friends that are mums it's Mm -hmm. like my women who are who really understand mm. um so they get their own title my mum friends because it's like yeah, they're the ones like love my maiden friends too mm. if you're watching this you guys like <laughs> fun time friends my fun time friends and my mum time friends who have, mm. again they're very deep nourishing fun um a lot of the mum friends I've made are a couple of babies into the journey and are all older than me and I really forget because I like, you know, I rock mm. up to your house and you got all the things happening and the babies are all like doing their thing like in autonomy and I'm just like, cool, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, she's been like in this school for a lot longer than me. <laughs> yeah. Eight years in. Eight years in. Yeah. Eight years in. Dude. But then like – I would feel the same about people who their youngest of four is the same age or a little bit older than Willow. And I look at, yeah. like, I'll look at those parents and be like, oh, I got it. Like, they've saw, like, they know what they're doing. I'm baby in the game still. So, yeah. But underneath, are we mm. all just being like, this is chaos. Why do we do this? Also, I could go again. Yeah. <laughs> What is that? I would be very curious about that thing in the brain that's like, this is definitely the hardest thing. Like, I'm barely coping or staying alive, but I'll have one more. I am not okay. If anyone actually knew who I was, they'd be like, no. And but I'm here, like, 
maybe like three or four months. <laughs> <laughs> like rad situation. <laughs> it's like universe says, choose, chooses me to do it. Like it must be the right portal. <laughs> Oh, oh, we can relate to that. Hey, <laughs> I don't think it ends too. Like four kids in, you'd think would be pretty done, but we're both like, mm, yeah. Well, Togger's really done, which kind of yeah. sets. Well, we're not my situation. We're talking about me and you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. All <laughs> no, Bring but it's in. weird. It is. It is strange that we would possibly be able to think both things at the same time. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think the more that we normalize the, you know, the guts and dirt of the journey the more it's like oh it's okay like yeah Mm. it is really hard but that doesn't take away how good it is experience how good it is how much medicine there is in it like my business would be nowhere without blue she Mm. is my driving force my inspiration my reason I spend so much time in nature my connection to the future and the past like that commitment to family healing to ancestral healing it's all because Mm. of her so Mm. yeah she makes it harder for me to get to work sometimes (laughs) but also there would be no work Mm. like that if it wasn't for her can I add an oxytocin hit as well like sometimes oh you just look at them like (sighs) Mm. yeah (laughs) yeah especially like I just had this vision of blue like walking around she's like mum I brush my hair for bloom I get dressed for bloom I dance for bloom I do everything for bloom I brush my teeth for bloom like she's just doing it all for bloom just like living her life I'm in the garden for bloom and I'm just like is that what are you mirroring (laughs) (laughs) but she's making it look so easy like she's doing it with love and Mm. she's like this is what I do I do it all for bloom and I'm like yeah (laughs) like they also simplify it you and me both baby girl like yeah (laughs) (laughs) and bloom does it all for us so like we're in this beautiful relationship Mm. yeah going back to that synergy (laughs) yeah it's all synergy see it everywhere Mm. Yeah, on that actually, because you do talk about the nitty gritty and dark side of things too, which is something that I personally really appreciate because you can go onto Instagram and you can see everyone, especially in this area, and they look so shiny and everyone's kids are so shiny. And behind that, everyone's got their dark nitty gritty shit that they're dealing with that they've passed, that they've overcome. Um, But I remember when I was going through my own crap and I felt like I couldn't share and I couldn't like do anything about it because everyone else was kind of like in this really light phase. And it's like, well, when, when I did see you sharing about some of your hairier situations, I was like, oh, like it's such a relief actually to know that there are other people who like are going through it and that is behind the scenes and no one shares it but it gives you a little bit like, oh, I'm not the only one with some baggage. (laughs) Yeah. Mm, So I did want to just really quickly thank you for that because it's not often that we get to see it on – see anyone else going through that kind of gritty stuff and I think that we can get a little swept up in everyone having this big shiny show Mm. but um 
No. So um, we know that you've been going through it at the moment. So it's um, it is. It's in in everything. The light and the dark. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I feel like. Before I became a mom, it was such a romantic idea. Like, yeah, I'll have a baby with a beautiful man and it'll all be perfect and we'll spend our days in nature and everything will be stress-free. Wrong. (laughs) I was so brutally slapped in the face Mm. (laughs) when I woke up to like real mom, like, yeah, motherhood, which I feel like only really started to sink in about one and a half years into Blue being on like around yeah in human form um like she was one and a half years old and I kind of started to really lean into that rebellion against this perfect idea that we project motherhood is or a mother is like this idea of the martyr that gets it all done perfectly, the kids are well-dressed, everybody's eating perfectly, she's nourished, like all of this stuff. Like, no, no, I actually don't think a martyr expects themselves to be nourished at all. They just completely, it's like everything for everyone else. And anyone who's been a mom and tried to be everything for everyone else knows that that is a very dangerous place to be. And I just wanted to be be sort of in protest to that it's like it's why you'll see me in the street and blues wearing like you know some synthetic (laughs) not like not kosher stuff her hair is just a full mess food on her face and I'm like but she's happy or maybe she's not (laughs) or it's like you know in those moments where we're like and going for a grocery shop and she starts just breaking down I'm just like go for it okay we're holding space and I'm just like there and anybody who tries to like shush her or fix her I'm like get out of the way we're doing this like right here aisle six aisle six right here right now we're healing ancestral trauma let's go you trying to fix it fix us or distract her like that's your shit not in this not up in this business And little things like that, it's so healing for me because it's like you go through all these layers of like shame and judgment of yourself and what if I show up and people are like, actually, no, you're the only one that is this shit at this job. And I'm like, maybe I am. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually you do get that, oh, thank you, that gave me permission to actually soften on myself. And mom's like harshest harshest critics of ourselves and our performance and how we should be and really we're just we're women who are like the vessels of life and we're in a even if we are supported we're still wildly unsupported like even if we're the idea of like I couldn't be any more supported than this I'm sure that actually very much could be Mm -hmm. Um, because we're in a culture that just expects us to do it all on our own and to have a big smile on our face while we do it. And I just think that's, can I swear? It's Mm -hmm. like, it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And especially recently I experienced a loss in early birth and to hold life and death in the body was such a huge initiation that I didn't expect. Um, And I 
still feel really passionate about reminding people that I'm freshly postpartum from that experience. Mm. I'm not just postpartum from my almost four-year-old daughter, which I still very much am entitled to feel. Mm -hmm. But I'm postpartum from the baby I lost and that baby is just as real to me as what she is. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, my body shows signs of having a child. My breasts look like they fed another child even though – I didn't Mm -hmm. um, physically, but I did from my heart, from my body, from my soul. It's like naively before I experienced miscarriage for myself, you know, I had a best friend go through it a couple of weeks prior and I was just bewildered. I didn't know how to show up for her. I knew she wanted to retreat, so I'm like, okay, like protect the birth space. I did logically understand it was a birth, but... I didn't know what she needed from me, what I could talk about, what, you know, didn't understand how much of a real person it can feel, which it is to all of us, but, like, depending on where you're at with it, like, I feel like I'm the mother of two children and people only see me as having one and I'm mourning a soul that no one else will ever know, not even the father. It's such an internal journey and you know before this it was just in my world at least it was treated like it was a heavy period Mm. like that was not a heavy period like I feel like I died like I died I feel like I almost died a couple of times throughout the process and just from loss of blood and you know fevers and all these sorts of things that our body does to cope or process and yeah and I know that unless you've had it experience you've had that experience or someone close to you has the vast majority of people out there are looking at early uh, as at early birth as a period Mm. and like it has no impact Mm. on the family constellation of who we are as women like all birth takes us on such a hectic journey this spirit came through – I was like – I was into spirituality before. I had like a tarot deck or something. Like, <laughs> listen to some garden meditation sometimes. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'm interested mm. in that as you a age. conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll like – I'll look at the stars every now and then and be like, what the fuck are they doing? And why yeah. are they messing up my kid's mood? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then I became a mom and I'm like, oh, like I – like in birth, I felt grabbing their soul and bringing them down. I felt connecting with them, talking with them every day before they were here or had a voice. It was like there is so much more to this experience than now like a human numbed, closed off, like scientific reality. Mm. It's, um, yeah, so the spirit that visited – me came with such a clear message they like gave me their name the night before they left I met them in a dream on the way to it happening I was like on my way to the airport I mean do we want to go here (laughs) (laughs) take (laughs) us take us please take us wherever you need to take us I mean sure I have I feel like safe space to do this in the community witnessing it it's like 
Because, yeah, there's like a lot of things that people don't know about the process of miscarriage either. Like mm. I thought you'd just go to the toilet or something and it would like all be done within a few hours. Or maybe it just had, took one hour. I don't know. I had no experience. Mm. And, yeah, I was like on my way to the airport. I'd just been booked for this amazing gig in Thailand and I was going to spend a week there for my birthday and it was like going <laughs> to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> which I still need to go back and do. Um, but, yeah, on the way there I had a driver and um, I fell asleep and I had this, like, um, this lucid dream where I was observing myself speaking to this, like, cosmic kind of whirlpool of energy, kind of stars, like... I couldn't draw it if I wanted to, but I see it in my mind like it's a memory I have, mm-hmm. which I do, but it's like it happened like this. And I was filled with the perfect words to give them on their departure. I didn't know at the time I was talking to my baby. I was just speaking with this. It was like, you know, it's safe to go. If that's what you need to do, I understand your journey. Thank you for being here. The exact words I remember like, so I'm saying this and then I'm viewing this in my lucid dream. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what we say to somebody before they pass. I hope that I can remember that, which of course I don't, but like, <laughs> but at the time. And Should then have wrote, wrote down like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll go on to the next part. You'll understand why I didn't have time to journal. Um, but I was also observing it. I'm like, oh no, actually tell them to stay. Like, I want them to stay. Can you tell them to stay? And then like the me in my dream was like, that's not what they need to hear. That's something you want. That's not for them. And I was like, okay, surrender. I trust you. I let go. And I woke up and yeah. And then I woke up, went into the airport in Brisbane, this big like international airport um, for Australia. And I sat on the toilet and just like it all went down. And it was like, as it was happening, I was just in complete shock and a simultaneous deep knowing of really knowing I just got to say goodbye, but now my body has to catch up with the process. And for it to all be going down in such a hectic environment of like- At the airport. Bright lights- I'm there alone, the speaker over the top, like all this stuff. I was like reaching into the toilet, grabbing pieces of them. Like it was and, – and I just, you know, this primal energy of birth, that's all there was. It was like I don't care what's going on, who hears me, what's happening. Like I'm having my birth experience here and and I'm taking my baby home with me and – Yeah, in that time it's just like no – there's no hesitation of the normal bodily functions of birth for me. It's like so primal. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I was in that process for a while and then trying to logistically be like, okay, so how do I get out of here? And ended up up getting the driver to come back and take me home. But on the way home – maybe an hour into the drive. Like, and I didn't even feel like I could confidently say to this man, I'm having a miscarriage. I was just like, I just feel sick. I need to go home. I was just like, 
I don't trust the way he's going to respond. I don't want to be like put into a situation because of their fear. Like it was just like full cocoon, I need to get home. Mm -hmm. But halfway through getting home I started to pass out because it was just like I was just bleeding out everywhere and I'm like passing out and I say to him like, I need to call an ambulance. I'm having a miscarriage and just like fully passing out because and that was the first time I felt like I was going to die. It was like this fever over me like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I need to ask for medical support. Like and in this moment of like that is not what I want to do, maybe I would rather die right now. (laughs) (laughs) Such a humbling Like how strong-willed are you? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, then I had the next chapter, the next chapter of my birthing experience was back in the hospital and I'm there like stabilized condition, really holding space for like nurses coming in being like, oh, how are you feeling? Oh, you probably don't want to talk about it. Oh, you're disappointed. You're missing your holiday. And I'm just looking at these people like I'm giving birth right now and I'm grieving my child who is passing. It's very real. I don't give a fuck about my holiday. Like. What is wrong with people? <laughs> it's and like for for a whole cohort of people who would often see grief and loss and a m- mixture of things, like that bedside mannerism is so messed up, mm. I, like and inappropriate. And how do you not have a course in bedside manner? Come on. Yeah. Seriously. But to them it was just a medical procedure. <sighs> it wasn't birth at all. Mm. And I think I had mentioned because I was still passing clots and I want to share this because it's like, you know, it's mm, real. real. Mm. I didn't expect that much blood or that much tissue. I was 12 weeks. It was like, yeah. Um, and I think I would mentioned like, can I have something to take part, part – like them home with me and they're like oh no you can't do that I'm like (laughs) I can't yes (laughs) well this is where you guys realize you're messing with the wrong bit (laughs) try try and stop me I'm like give me my handbag I don't give a shit let's go (laughs) and um it was this like dual experience of being like I hate that I'm here as well as, no, I'm going to show up in my integrity and my groundedness and my knowingness to show these people that this is a birth and and I I trust that this is going to be healing in this system. That's why I'm here. And that was really hard That's because I was big. like prepping for a free birth with the baby, you know, and yet here I was like in a hospital with people not even treating me like I was giving birth. And – but they – I knew that that's what I was there to do. And it's not just like, it's not just the converted or the interested in converting or whatever that need the inspiration or the seed to know that there's something more. It's actually the people who are so numb and so sheltered and cannot go there to the possibility that we could experience sovereign birth or an empowered birth, however that looks, that actually need to see it and feel feel that the most like so many people in a hospital will never get to feel what it's like to experience a woman in her power giving birth and so we 
it's amazing that we're choosing to have babies outside of the hospital and all of that and it's like, you know, much more supportive for us to be able to do that because of all the stuff that that environment brings but it's also like that bridge of healing that is needed um, so that women and families everywhere can experience what it's like to trust their bodies and trust their babies and trust mm. this experience and, mm. yeah. It's desperately needed. Mm. And so my journey didn't end there. It was like two months after that of um, of bleeding and doing all sorts of different procedures and every sort of herbalist, every sort of method um, until finally I was humbled and, yeah, needing to receive a DNC. And I never thought I would do that. I was like up over my dead body. But what were the herbs and stuff? Were, you, were they like the herbs that traditionally used to like yeah. have a, an abortion? And yeah. Then you work? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that was really interesting because it was like I guess I went through these waves of really feeling like a failure in my body, which I can imagine anyone who's experienced needing to feel supported through their births can feel. And I really hear that pain of being like, I couldn't do that on my own. Like, what's wrong with me? That basically that message travels throughout the rest of motherhood. Um, And it's not ours. And it's not true. It's like women have been needing the support of nature or community for as long as we have been birthing. But in this hyper-independence where we have learned that we can't trust anybody else, we also create these foundations of us feeling like failures because we can't do it all on our own because it's not possible. So, yeah, the herbs I was having are very, very ancient in terms of their support and um, – and I believe in another situation, if that was right for me, they it would have worked. And it did work. Like there was clearing that happened. But after the two months of bleeding and dealing with everything else that was happening at the time, I um, mm. I just had to make a decision to show up for me and my daughter. And, um, and, and it really helped. I was like, okay, okay, Western medicine, modern medicine, what it's have fine. you got for me? Mm. Help me. And I opened up to receiving that support. And finally I was not bleeding anymore Mm. and I could start to rebuild myself. But I would describe that time, that two months of bleeding every day, sometimes not. And I was like, oh, maybe it's over. And then it would happen again, generally in alignment with some sort of other healing I was happening, Mm. I was undertaking. But I felt like the birthing portal was open that entire time and that veil between life and death was just so thin and everything that happened, I was just like looking at people and being like, I'm having a very like Mm. vivid and vulnerable experience of life right now that no one will understand, which is just like motherhood to a T. So yeah. So I want to share that with people. It's like miscarriage doesn't happen for a day. Sometimes it does, but like it's actually this ongoing process. Mm. What do you feel like you needed in those moments? Like throughout the whole two months, I know you went to Bali, I think, mm-hmm. and you were with a lot of other women mm. and you you kind of had that. But earlier you said that your friend had miscarried a couple of weeks prior and you just had no, no really clue what she wanted. But having gone through the thick of it yourself and realising, probably realising what women would want. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, you know, there was so much medicine in that time for me. I remember I went to Bali because I just needed the support of the land and the community there and the help. Um, yeah, throughout that time, the father of my child, we decided to have some conscious time apart. And so I was also navigating all of that. Um, and that was all divine too. So I just needed to go be held by like Mama Bali. And I didn't know. It was just like spirit said go. And so I went, took my baby girl with me. And about three or four days into the journey, um, I had landed with an angel. <laughs> Uh, a girl that a woman that I had connected with over the years but had no expectation on what kind of care I would be receiving or anything I was just like I just need to get there she's like you can come I got a space for you I'm like okay cool I don't even care if I'm sleeping on a house I'm like this feels good I get there she's got this whole villa set up for me she's like caring with blue she's working in women's business she was like everything yeah, so in that time I was like on my knees in the most pain I had ever felt, not even in relation to the miscarriage, though of course that had its own thing. But it was like I was sobbing to my friend saying, it just feels so fucking painful to ask for help. Like I just feel like I can't experience this shame, this guilt, this weakness that I feel because of how much help I need. And... And when people say it brought me to my knees, it's like that's what it was. And she just held me and, you know, obviously said it's my pleasure, it's her pleasure. And But she showed me that every day. She showed me that. The women came together for me so deeply over those next couple of months of like food support, care support, emotional support, healing support. And I have never allowed myself to receive support like that. And that was the medicine of that time. And when I think about it, one of the gifts that the spirit gave me in their passing, it was like they came for that. They came to show me I can do that and I can take that medicine and apply it to my life now. And my team with Bloom were no exception to that. It was like how do you have a business and be a mom depending on the scale or style of your business, um, have a team, have a reliable, consistent team and, you know, fostering that we're a family-run business. So we're, we really foster the authenticity of having children around. The, often children will come into, you know, different kids, different days will come into the office. It's just like for an hour or two at a time, just like, Bluey will be in there teaching how to pack boxes, like just boosting morale really. <laughs> um, they are a part of our business, not separate to it. And the times where I've tried to be separate to her and have my business or myself separate to her have been the times where I feel the most frustration because I can have time on my own but it needs to be in respect to her and vice versa. Mm. That is, sorry, can I pause mm. you there? Because that is just so on point. Mm. Like, because we've been discussing quite a bit on here how it's really hard to find that balance between like being, like where's the midpoint between martyr and goddess, right? Where you're like, one, you're giving 
all your everything and the other side you're taking everything, right? But yeah, to look after yourself but in respect to your children Mm. and your partner or your community, like that just nailed it on the Mm. head for me. Like you just brought those thoughts right in there. So thank you Mm. because it's something that we've been pondering a bit Mm. and it's so hard to define. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, it's like when we show up to spaces and expect ourselves to not be showing up as a mom, it's like I'm here right now as a mom and I'm talking to you as moms that doesn't mean your kids are around like it would be kind of chaos having them in here we've tried it work. yeah <laughs> you work. have to try it to be like oh no this is how I like have time for myself with respect to them yeah. <laughs> mm. um yeah and so the business has to be respectful of the fact that I'm a mum, and there is a lot more inconsistency and um yeah flakiness or messiness there's just a lot more messiness than what I would have ever previously allowed in my professionalism Mm. but in that journey I've just been like what is professionalism anyway like Mm. at what cost to your child is professionalism more important and Mm. what cost to myself Mm. like Mm. this expectation that we arrive to work with our periods but act like it's not happening it's like Mm. um it is happening and it's a blessing. What's it saying? Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're, we've just had the extreme pleasure of hiring our first pregnant mama who wasn't myself. <laughs> um, and that's been such an amazing experience in itself because we hired her and then the next day she was like, oh, I'm pregnant. And we're all like, oh, we, like, well, we're in the big leagues now. Like <laughs> what do we do? And, you know, I said to my team, if she is willing to share that wisdom with us, we are lucky. So yeah, we're hiring. Yeah, we're going on this journey. And it's just been such a privilege to have her a part of our space and bringing that reactivity and potency and creativity of pregnancy Mm. and to never treat her like she's got a sickness or a burden. It's like Mm. to be on that other end of the spectrum and be like, this is a safe space for that. Um, you know, I feel like that goes out into every bottle that goes out into the world. It's like safe spaces for women. Let's go. Like, <laughs> this is my safe space doing my bloom ritual. Like, <laughs> all spectrums of safety for women. Let's go. <laughs> well, we would absolutely not know that there was any mess or chaos or mud or grit because looking in, it looks just beautiful. Beautiful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been so nice to chat. And well, we need to work more on that then. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I retract so that comment <laughs> because I'm pretty sure everything you just said goes against what I just said. <laughs> well, everything I just said just completely blew everything you just said out of the water. Well, bloom um, is nature. You mm. know, everything on there is nature and you can have that interpretation however you want. But like when you're showing up, like the core messaging is mm. really going with the flow of nature and her destruction or glory. birth or whatever. And so, yeah, I reckon I could let people know I'm a little <laughs> bit more chaotic on there. But <laughs> Just start doing like a day in the life, the real version. Here's my kid. 
here's us doing this. Yeah. And here's me getting arrested. <laughs> like, <laughs> here we are on aisle six. Yeah. <laughs> um, your boxes aren't getting shipped because yeah. um, I'm dealing with this right now. My chicken pooed in the mall. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. basically. No, strict rules. No packing boxes at home. <laughs> We've we done learned that. that pretty early on. Yeah, I started Bloom oh when I was in a – we were travelling around in a bus and I was like, what am I doing? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a story for another day. But, yeah, mm. thank so thanks to the team, there's like consistency and and my brothers who I run my business with, they like they hold that masculine as well. And that's another thing. It's like we don't need to be afraid of the masculine. We just got to find like divine embodied versions of it. Mm, yeah. um, and as much as we can, detoxifying ourselves from all the toxic masculine and feminine inside of ourselves mm. and just coming home to the authentic expression of like the chaotic feminine and the stable masculine mm. and having them in ourselves and then if they're not very strong in ourselves electing other people to do that <laughs> yeah I'm like I feel like mm. I want to leave like one thing for <laughs> any moms working in business it's delegate <laughs> delegation and self-worth oh that's like, something we need to learn <laughs> Yeah. Like you're worth it. Mm. You're worth feeling well resourced. Look mm. at what you're doing. Like, yeah. Uh, Montana, powerful. Stop. You wouldn't know that we're a whole bunch older than you, except for maybe the look. <laughs> mm. I mean, with all the bloom, I don't know. I yeah. Like, what do you mean, What do you mean, Katia? Well, you're wearing all my bloom. Look at so. me. I am glowing <laughs> and very youthful. I look 23. Of course. I'm not 23 anymore. <laughs> what do you Definitely mean? Definitely don't feel like it. <laughs> Join the club. Yeah. Oh, but thank you so much. This has been short but incredibly powerful and I think a lot of people are going to be able to resonate and help be helped by mm. this chat. So thank you again so much for sharing. My heart goes to you right now. And thanks for creating the safe space to do so. Mm. Oh, do you want to quickly just let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah. Okay. So I would suggest finding me on Bloom. It's B-L-U-E-M. So it's blue like my daughter, M for Montana. Bloom.com.au. Stop it. Never pick that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know that. I don't know if I even knew that. We just laid it up now. (laughs) I thought it was just a cool way to spell like bloom. Yeah. It all just happened in Mm. my creation portal. Um, It was like one day just was. There wasn't any like, how are we going to do it? It's like, it just was. (sighs) It's like when your names drop in for your babies, I'm guessing you've had this experience Mm. of like, Mm. oh, it just is. Sometimes Um, and then sometimes you get it wrong for a couple of weeks first. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Um, And yeah. And then on Instagram, we're B-L-U-E-M underscore A-U. And um, and then I'm Montana Lower and whatever you'll see that on the yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll link all that. And we're actually doing a amazing rebrand in a month's time. I don't know when this is coming out, but mid September, mm-hmm. and that'll be a whole revamp of our sustainable bottles mm-hmm. and some new potions that are created with the highest integrity from seed to skin. A lot more. Um, yeah, just to my dream for Bloom is to have sustainable self-care solutions for everyday needs and with a really heavy emphasis on traceability. Um, in the beauty world, it's really hard to know where and who grew, grows our products. 
or ingredients. And it's also really hard to put anything on your face that doesn't have 10 to 20 ingredients in it. And mm-hmm. I really feel like that's overstimulating and just not naturally how we exist in this world. So, yeah, we've created some fun new potions to add to the self-care rituals to really support our bodies into functioning how they were designed to geniusly do. Mm. Um, so that's all happening. I think Amazing. it's September the 14th or 18th. You don't need to know the dates because you're a mother. Yeah. <laughs> but my team definitely <laughs> needs <laughs> to <laughs> my calendar. That's a lot. Yeah. Scheduling. Scheduling. Oh. Yeah. oh, what a time. All right. Thank you again, Montana. Thank you, girls. Big love. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Road to Wisdom podcast. To join the journey, you can follow us on Instagram at theroadtowisdom.podcast www.theroadtowisdompodcast.com Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We look forward to seeing you next week with more juicy content.